before we get into the podcast today, I want to share an exciting opportunity for you and your leadership team. Now, our team at Lifeway Leadership is bringing the ever-popular Pipeline Conference to Orange County, California on February 22nd. So Pipeline West, as we're calling it, will be an event like none other. You have to come, you have to attend, because it's not just a conference, it's a training conference. You and your team will walk away with practical steps to launch your leadership pipeline at your church. You'll hear from Carrie Newoff, Albert Tate, Tom Rayner, Eric Geiger, Daniel M., and more. This event will have plenary sessions, shorter practical TED-style talks, and Q&A with speakers. So we also offer a second day that you'll want to take a look at. It provides coaching and implementation help for you and your team. So join us at Pipeline West. Get your tickets at myleadershippipeline.com. Register now to take advantage of early bird rates. Once again, that's myleadershippipeline.com. Now, enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here with Eric Geiger. How's it going? And we are very excited today to have uh, Steve Green on the podcast. If you don't know um, who Steve is, he's written uh, several books, but the most recent one is The Dangerous Book. What you probably, um, if you know the name, you will know two things. You'll either know philanthropy or you'll know Hobby Lobby uh, or you'll know both. That's right. So um, the bio is so long, it might take the whole whole episode to read the bio. This is impressive. <laughs> so yeah, chairman of the guys. board, yeah, chairman of the board of the Museum of the Bible, president Hobby Lobby, the world's largest privately owned arts and crafts retailer, author. Uh, man, how did you have time to squeeze us in today? <laughs> uh, we're in between coming and going. So it's uh, been a busy week with us uh, uh, preparing, opening the museum. But uh, we're uh, looking forward to uh, being with you guys uh, for now. Awesome. Good deal. Good deal. Well, um, we've had the uh, the pleasure of uh, interacting with uh, your daughters uh, here from time to time with Lifeway and our women's ministry and just have really appreciated getting to know them as well as your staff at museum uh, personally as well. We are at a lot of conferences and uh, your your team has been out and they, man, I got to say they've represented you guys yep. well. Great and, team. Um, what you all have done uh, to take the museum around the country is absolutely amazing. Uh, just uh, a week or so ago, we had the doors for the museum that, that came through town for the Devil Wards. And I just want to say, um, you know, there's very few things on earth that are that um, <laughs> awe-inspiring. Because when you see hmm. doors that are that tall, um, that are based on... You know, they're there. Tell me about the doors as far as um, the Gutenberg press and what's the idea behind um, the doors in connection with the Bible and Museum of the Bible. Yeah, we we wanted to uh, make just the entrance impressive to, to grab people's attention. And so on either side of the entrance, there are these 40 foot bronze doors, panels, uh, doors could give you the wrong idea. They're, they're permanently fixed, but they appear to be doors. So we refer to them as doors and they are the representation of Genesis chapter one from the Gutenberg press. So it's in reverse print as if they were to fall over, they would print the 
uh, Genesis chapter one. And uh, I just came from there yesterday. It will be an impressive site. A lot of people are going to want to get their picture just by the, uh, the bronze doors on the front of the front of the building. Well, you know, uh, I guess you've, there is a lot going on because a week from now you have the, the, the book that's launching the dan- this dangerous book. And it's really, it's not a political, you know, book. Instead, it really examines the role of the Bible and the, the role it's played throughout history. Uh, and just, uh, we're excited about, yeah. you know, taking a look at that. I'm excited anytime somebody shines a light on, on the word. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Thank you. So uh, we will go ahead and get into our five questions today. I'm sure some of these other things will will come up as we go. Hey, one more thing from the bio that I think is impressive. Married, <laughs> married to. There's a lot on here, but but married to your wife Jackie for more than thirty years. We uh, just uh, had our thirty third anniversary uh, in August, and. Uh, uh, with with our six kids, we're we're loving life. That's awesome. I, I actually interviewed. Not that your wife would go home and tell you because it, it was a it was a women's conference, and you probably you know what, what is Sarah Geiger doing at a women's conference? But <laughs> I interviewed her and your daughter on the stage uh, with several other people about leading in the midst of challenge in the midst of crisis, and and so they referenced the the challenge in time that that you had with the uh, the Supreme Court and and um, the the decision. To can you tell us real quickly about that. Uh, rem- remind yeah. everyone who's listening. Well, it was uh, when the HHS mandate required uh, for companies uh, in their health plan to provide uh, abortifacients within um, their their health plan. You, you had to freely provide, uh, for example, the morning after, the week after pills, which is what they're referred to. Uh, and uh, we just believe that life begins at conception and that those have the potential of taking life. Uh, so we did not want to be a part of uh, freely providing that to our employees. It didn't deny our employees those products. They can go buy it at any drugstore if they wanted to. But uh, we just did not want to be a part of what we saw as taking life. And that's why we had to challenge the government and yeah. ultimately had a win at the Supreme Court. No, that, 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 uh, that was awesome. I know a lot of Christians were, were super grateful, as I was, for for your stand for life. And I know it, it came with great uncertainty and great cost. And so super grateful for your your conviction to stand for for the unborn. That was that was a beautiful testimony. Yeah, there was about uh, the line was like a hundred deep, I think, from from what I understood. We just happened to be in front of the line, and mm-hmm. uh, we're we're grateful that uh, we, we did get to win, uh, and and religious freedoms in our nation were were uh, uh, protected. That's awesome. Well, I'm great. I'm grateful as well. So, Steve, let's move yes. into the uh, to the questions, and the, and the first one that that we we ask leaders, and we'd love to hear from you is, who are you learning from? So, who are you currently learning from? Um, I would have to say, you know, still uh, learning from my family, uh, from whether it be my parents or my wife or my kids. Um, uh, they're the ones that I'm interacting with the most. And so I, I still learn from them. Um, and obviously, the, uh, using God's word as, as a guide that uh, for their lives and 
Uh, I uh, go to God's word uh, on a daily basis and uh, seek God's guidance and wisdom there. Um, and then, uh, you know, a variety of other sources, but those would be the most consistent sources. I enjoy listening to different ministers of podcasts and uh, different uh, books that I read. But, uh, you know, on a consistent basis, uh, scripture, uh, the Bible and the family are uh, who would come to mind first. So Todd and I are both both dads of young kids. Todd's got one on, one on the way, three and one on the way. So I may right. I may I'm not going to catch up with you. I'm going to go ahead and pay that right now. That's not one of my goals. And I've I've, I've got two, so I've only got two. But we're, I have a ten year old and a uh, almost eight year old, and Todd Todd's got a got the spectrum happening at his place now. And so you've raised you've raised a, a godly family, a God fearing family, and and been able to do that in the in the marketplace give us some wisdom how, how can we as those two intersect right as the scripture as the word intersects with family what are some practical things that you would say to guys like Todd and myself on how we can how we can lead our families well uh, I think I think putting things in perspective and understanding that uh, my my first calling is my family. Uh, that mm-hmm. is that is my first ministry. They they are priority now. For me to uh, take care of my family, I have to provide and I, I have to go to work and work hard and, uh, so that I can provide for my family. That's a part of, of taking care of my family. But but um, my my uh, greatest role as a husband and a, and a father is to raise godly generations and that's that's what uh, Jackie and I strive to do um, and you know and in raising a family it takes a lot of love and discipline uh, those, those two things you, you have to spend a lot of time with them uh, loving them uh, enjoying them mm. uh, and and be willing to discipline them uh, and uh, Make sure that they uh, learn right from wrong at an early age, and I think the earlier you do that, the better. And that discipline always needs to be done in love, but but there there has to be that. And I think of how Scripture uh, we have God gives us the same thing. We have heaven as a reward, our, our relationship with our Creator God as uh, the the goal, and and uh, consequences uh, when we don't. So um, uh, there's there's no different. I think as a we have to uh, have a healthy dose of uh, uh, love and discipline. And, you know, if somebody mentioned the other day, you, you have multiple parts of that love versus a discipline, but you, you have to have both of them. That's great. So what would be the main point of emphasis for your leadership team or yourself right now? You know, I think um, what comes to mind is just uh, servant leadership, the idea that um, uh, when you're in a leadership role, you're you're serving. Uh, that, that is our role. And again, that's directly what Christ uh, showed and demonstrated to us as he came and he's uh, washing the disciples feet. That was the. Uh, the visible type um, uh, of as a leader, what we should do. We're here. To, we're here to serve. Um, that um, uh, is commonly said here at Hobby Lobby at our corporate office. That the role of the corporate office is to serve our stores and to make the job for our stores as easy as possible. Um, and uh, we, if we come with the wrong kind of an attitude, that uh, 
they're there to uh, take care of us and do what we say, then uh, we're going to have the wrong mindset, wrong attitude. So uh, servant leadership being one and just stewardship as others that uh, all that we have is, is God's and uh, mm-hmm. we are stewards of what he has entrusted to us. Um, so uh, our first statement of purpose for Hobby Lobby is to operate our business according to biblical principles, uh, because this is God's business. It's uh, his and our, our responsibility is to um, uh, operate it according to the guidelines he's given us in his word. Hmm. Man, so obviously you, you, you mentioned several things that just remind us that you were spirit led leader, uh, leading with the scripture, being a servant leader as Christ has served us. So when you think about your leadership daily, what, what are two or three things that you tell yourself, I have to do these things daily, that it, it, it benefits your life, it benefits those that you lead, two or three things that if you don't do these daily, you feel like you're, you're wandering from from the leader that you should be other than spend time in the Bible, because it's pretty obviously you've already said that one. <laughs> you said that one. So yeah. to, which we, we're not saying that, that that's needs to be minimized with that, with that as the foundation. Uh, what, are, what are two or three other things that you do that really impact your, your life and leadership? Well, I, I think it's, it's daily knowing that, um, uh, I, I am serving, serving God. And I, it's not that you, you check out Now, there's times that you, we go on vacation and we, uh, you know, have times of rest, but, uh, when, when I go to work, I'm, I'm working for God and, uh, scripture again says, whatever your hand finds to do it, do it with all your mind. And so giving uh, the, the challenge every day is to, to fully be giving your all and, uh, in, in what, uh, I, my calling is what I'm, I'm doing. And so, uh, being diligent about, uh, the job at hand, uh, making sure that it is done as best I can to the, um, to honor God in what I do. So knowing that, um, uh, same thing when, when I go home and, and I'm, uh, with my family to be all in, uh, to know that, um, my, my kids are there and I, I've, I've got a role to, to be uh, a father to them. Uh, and, and that's not in neither one of these, when I put it that way, it can sound like, Oh, you're, you, you, you never have fun, but, when you do that with all your might, it is fun. That's what you enjoy hmm. doing. I enjoy going to work. I enjoy it because uh, the better you are at something, the better you do something, the more you enjoy it. And uh, I love being with my family and having time with them. Uh, and so uh, knowing that um, uh, we were called to do all that we do uh, with, with all our might and to the best of our ability, uh, and I fell at that every day because I never have done that perfectly, but that's what we you know, strive to do on a daily basis. That's a good deal. Well, um, I'm going to... I'm going to deviate from our typical five questions. Wow. I'm Todd, go this, ahead is, and ask this, this is a big move for you, Todd. I know. We, I don't I'm, know I'm, a little, I'm a little this. nervous because we have a major guest on right now, and you're trying something new. You're calling an well, audible. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call an audible on the fifth one. I'm going to move five up to four. Okay. And then I'm going to call an audible on the last one. Oh, I got you. So you're going to sub out five for four. For, so number mm-hmm. number five He's is going in for number four. the entire time. So which I don't want to say what's beautiful. leadership look like in your home. Right. Everybody already All right. knows. I got it. So five is replacing four, and then there's a newbie question coming. There'll be a newbie question, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So um, what would you tell 
your 20 year old Steve about preparing to lead? Um, I, I think I would say, you know, similar thought as I had with raising kids is that, you know, being a good leader takes a lot of, um, love and discipline. Um, if, if all you do is are encouraging your employees, which is important, uh, but you're never willing to make the tough decisions, then uh, uh, you're going to wind up having problems. If all you are is a disciplinarian and you're not encouraging your employees, the same thing, you're going to have employees leaving you. So uh, I I see very similar uh, connection there that uh, you need to encourage employees a lot and, um, you know, with good directions and a good work environment. But uh, you also have to have from time to time uh, a dose of, uh, you know, corrective action. Uh, you know, the worst part of any job is having to let somebody go. But there's times that you, you have to do that. I think of uh, Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, where he talks about getting the right people on the bus. And if you're uh, got got bad people on the bus and you don't take care of those issues, then the good people are going to leave. Uh, and I just feel like that that's uh, very important. And there's, there's times when, you know, uh, there's leaders that, uh, uh, aren't willing to make those tough decisions that, um, uh, makes their life much harder. So, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, a lot of encouragement, a lot of attaboys, but, um, uh, when needed being mm-hmm. sure that you take care of the problems that may uh, be in an organization and any organization, you know, uh, has, has challenges. That's right. So earlier when you talked about leadership, um, Todd, is this question number five? No, oh. this is a follow up question. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that for Steve's sake. I want to, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to alert him to this, uh, this random no. sub, Two questions. No, that's yeah, I'm just uh, I'm doing an end around. Okay. Um, earlier, you talked about when you talked about leadership, you talked about uh, servant leadership and stewardship. Uh, was that like I was when I was hearing that I was thinking of almost two levels of leadership or two different types of leadership. Can you, you know, break those down for us just a little bit? You know how you see servant leadership. Um, moving into stewardship or is it servant leadership and stewardship are, you know, kind of two sides of the same coin? Yeah, you potentially could say it's two sides of the same coin, but, but I think maybe the perspective, what you're looking at when, when you're looking at servant leadership, I think you're looking at those that you're serving. Um, and again, if you inverse it, it's those, uh, within the organization, you know, uh, you know, from management, to uh, the person for Hobby Lobby that's, uh, on the clock working hourly, uh, and, and serving those people. And that's kind of what the focus is. Stewardship is more looking the other direction. Uh, it's looking at, we serve a, a God in heaven and my focus is how do I serve my God? And that is by understanding all I have comes from him. Mm. And uh, I am uh, looking for his guidance in how I uh, operate a business. So I think that to some degree, one is the focus of uh, who's under you and who's over you. Um, That's good. Uh, That's but, good. It's, but it's similar in, in how, it's going, how we're going to respond. I, I love that. And that help, that's helpful for Todd, Steve. You may not know this, but he he has, he thinks in quadrants and diagrams. So so he, now he's he's drawing up like a, like a picture yeah. with him and him and he's looking up for stewardship and he's looking he's looking down for servant leadership. So it's quite possible. It's possible that some of the listeners uh, need that, too. And so it wasn't just for Todd, hopefully. But uh, that, that's very, very helpful. Yeah, great. 
All right, so um, I'm, th- this is the uh, the curveball. Hopefully, it's a softball. But why does the Bible still matter today? With everything that's going on, with everything that people are looking around the world, with technology, you know, with with uh, j- just everything that we see constantly, you know, a. a a world that seemingly um, is walking away from even the concept of truth. Why does the Bible still matter today? Well, um, if if this book is what it claims to be, if there is a creator God that has created and designed us, it is still the guidebook for life. It doesn't matter uh, what time period in, in, in world history it is. Uh, the guidebook for life is still the guidebook for life. And, uh, just as an example, when when Jesus says was asked, you know, what are, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, well, is to love God with all your heart. And then there's a second one is like the first and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. That's good guidelines anytime, you know, to love God and love your neighbor. Uh, th- those are good principles uh, for us to live by. And and if we don't use this book as a guide for life and how we live our life and the, the purpose that it gives for life and how we treat others, then what, what are we going to use as a guide in life? Um, uh, is it to each his own? Um, and uh, who, who determines what's right and what's wrong? And so without a guidebook that directs uh, mankind as to how to live, then um, uh, it's kind of every man for himself. Why would I care about what anybody else thinks or, or wants? Uh, why not just live for myself and do whatever I want? Um, but uh, b- because this book gives life, purpose to life, um, it will always uh, be important. Man, I, I love that. So, so you obviously you said early you, when who you're learning from. You learn from the scripture. You you have a passion for the word. Going into this project, this museum in the Bible project that has just been enormous undertaking. Uh, lots of lots of hours. Lots of people involved. Lots of impact. We believe on the other side of it. What's what are what are some things that that you've learned or about the Bible, some, a couple of nuggets that has caused as you, if you stepped closer to the scripture in this process, that's given you, um, even a greater appreciation for the, for the word. Yeah. I think that the more, uh, I learned about the scripture and I learn, uh, about the evidence for it, um, the complexity of it coming together, uh, the, the, the dedication that the Jewish people had in transcribing it from generation to generation to give us the, uh, the Hebrew text that we have. And uh, just the more you learn about it, the archaeological evidence and on and on, um, the more appreciation you have for it, the more you realize there is nothing that even comes close to this book hmm. now, written by, you know, 40 authors, roughly over a 1400 year period, roughly. Uh, from all different walks of life, from a king on his throne to a prison cell, from a person at the heights of joy to the depths of despair uh, on three different continents and three different languages. And you, you take all of these stories. Imagine writing something today and it being completed in 1400 years from today. Wow. All of those stories coming together and there be a storyline that runs hmm. throughout it. And that it is 
collectively telling a story. That just doesn't happen. It makes me think of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and God gave them a pillar of fire by night and cloud by day. And you think how in the world could they not have uh, recognized that God was leading them uh, and they continued to rebel. But God has given us no lesson in his word. Uh, this, this book is miraculous in essence. Um, mm. The way it's come together and for it to be as harmonious uh, right. as it is, uh, and to tell a story that in itself is incredible. Amen. And the story that the story that changes our hearts. It's awesome. It changes lives. And there is. Yeah. I mean, we in the museum, we have an uh, impact floor that talks about uh, the, the impact on individual lives. And there are just incredible stories of how that this book has change people's lives. Uh, so just over and over, uh, this book is just has an incredible story to be told. Good deal. Well, Steve, we want to just thank you for spending a little time with us today. Absolutely. We look forward to taking a look at the book as well as visiting the museum. If you are in uh, D.C. for whatever reason, uh, it definitely is something you're gonna you're gonna want to go see. I have not personally seen it yet, but I will very soon. Um, and man, I just can't wait. I mean, there is. We were talking about this before we started recording a, a little bit. Um, most listeners know that I moved here from D.C. The fact that you have nearly a half a million, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, half a million square feet coming available blocks from the Capitol, blocks from the house side of the Capitol where so many uh, people get off the metro and the metro is actually underneath the museum. So its location is absolutely uh, amazing and um, it'll be right there convenient for you to see, but would encourage you to go do so and, and share it with your friends. We'll be opening November 17th or November 18th to the public, and we're excited. Uh, we're getting close. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and tune in next time. Wait. Don't don't go yet. Don't. Hold up. Okay. So we are doing Pipeline West in the OC. That's right. Southern California. February 22nd and 23rd. So February 22nd is the actual conference day. That's Kerry Newoff, Tom Rayner. Eric Geiger, myself, Daniel M., Albert Tate. These people will all be bringing it for sure. You want to be there, not only because it's going to be great content, but it's February, okay? And this is California. So it's a the sunny in 76 is good to be at any time of year, but especially in February. Hope to see you there. <laughs>